Welcome to My Creative Classroom, an EdTech podcast series where I chat with industry experts about tools, platforms, technologies, and software that could potentially help educators transform learning. My goal is to provide you with information about these tools that can help you make a decision on how you can use them. I will be providing an honest opinion on the tools we talk about, from where to start, what it can be used for, and so much more. My name is Brian Willett, and welcome to My Creative Classroom. On today's episode, I'm joined by Matt Murphy, an educational designer with Zorbit's Math Adventure, which is a blended learning platform where math is not an obstacle. This math-first game is set in a fictitious space world where students explore worlds in order to use math as a tool to solve problems. We discuss how this platform focuses on supporting teachers not only through their informative teacher and district dashboard, but through a curated teacher activities library that allows any user to experience the true blended learning model of digital and hands-on. Matt and I discuss the various layers that make up the experience that Zorbits has to offer and how the focus is on personalized learning for the students and how as a company their focus is on making math awesome. Stick around to hear how we go from chocolate covered broccoli, gumbo, and even onions. This is My Creative Classroom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to My Creative Classroom. I am so excited today on the show we have Matt Murphy from Zorbit's Math Adventure. Matt, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thanks, Brian, for having me. So, Matt, this is going to be a great conversation here. Uh, Zorbit's Math Adventure uh, is one of the topics that everyone's looking for, which is online learning or, or, or an app-based mathematical learning. Uh, but before we dive into that, Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what your role is with Zorbit's, and then what is Zorbit's? Sure. Yeah. Well, like I said, my name is Matt Murphy. Uh, I'm coming at you from uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, which is the base of operations for Zorbit's Math Adventure. Uh, I'm a former teacher. Uh, I used to teach in the math and uh, physics classrooms, uh, as well as music, taught everything from, from kindergarten up to grade 12. Um, now I've I've spent about the past eight years in education technology in various different capacities, uh, and I've been at Zorbit's Math Adventure as an educational designer uh, for the past two years. Uh, in this time at Zorbit's, um, my our because we're we're a relatively small company, you know everybody kind of does everything. Uh, we're a very highly cross-functional team. Uh, so when people ask me like, what what's my role? Uh, I often uh, ask people, you know, well, what do you think it is? <laughs> and when, when we figure it out, uh, certainly let me know. Uh, but in a nutshell, you know, as an educational designer, I help out with some of the, uh, the resources that we create and design. Um, I work very closely with uh, my colleagues in, in marketing uh, and as well as customer success to make sure that we have um, effective resources for teachers, for classrooms. I work uh, with the professional development side of things. So we offer a lot of live webinars and orientation sessions uh, that, that um, that that I'm I'm heavily involved in. Uh, we help out with uh, some of the the game design aspects. Like I said, we really we really do everything. We we support the sales uh, cycle, the marketing side of things, just about uh, anything that's customer facing or teacher facing. Uh, I've I've got one finger or another in in the pie. It seems like you have a lot on your plate, but you know it's great to see that all those departments 
work together and, and, and collaborate on creating this product. So tell us a little bit about Zorbit's math adventure. And, and it turns out it's not Zorbit's is, is a person or a character. So tell us a little bit about Zorbit's math adventure and, and who is Zorbit's. So Zorbit is a, uh, he, he's a space cadet uh, from the Space Academy inside uh, the Zorbit's math adventure learning game. Uh, and when people first meet Zorbit, they always say, you know, that's a really interesting math game you have there. We always very graciously say, you know, thank you very much, but there's there's more more to the picture than meets the eye at first glance. Uh, so so Zorbit, I often refer to him as our prima donna. He's the star of the show. He gets all of the attention. The game is very flashy and very fancy, uh, but there's more to the opera than uh, the soloist that makes it an enriching experience. So Zorbit's math adventure, more holistically, is a blended learning platform. Uh, it's a suite of digital and hands-on resources and tools that aim to support uh, the entire teaching and learning process. So we do have that digital piece, that Zorbit's Math Adventure game uh, that kids play and they have a great time uh, developing their conceptual understanding of various math concepts through uh, the way that we employ a math-first game design. But at the same time, we are also collecting curriculum-aligned performance data and delivering that to the teacher. Uh, and one of the things that I always like to say in my professional development sessions is that, you know, it's great to have this data rolling in, uh, but data is only as useful as what you do with it. So we have a recommendation system built into that platform that can support the lesson planning and intervention process that teachers go through, uh, as well as there's a library of rich hands-on math tasks that teachers can draw upon, all sorts of distant different customization features. Like I said, it's a suite of tools that aims to support the entire teaching and learning process and not just through screen time, but through hands-on exploration as well. Uh, and that really kind of gets to the core of what we mean by, by blended learning. As I mentioned, it's a blended learning platform. So it's the use of digital resources in conjunction with those hands-on resources. Uh, and it's it's through that marriage of those two sides of that blended learning coin that we really start to see uh, effective math learning take flight. So that's where we see Zorbit's Math Adventure fitting into the classroom. That's what Zorbit's Math Adventure is beyond just a game. And that's very interesting. You talk about a blending learning platform, which is uh, quite significant because you're saying it's not just a game. So how does Zorbit's Math Adventure differ from other platforms that offer that similar kind of concept, if you will, which is uh, online learning or gamified learning? So how is Zorbit's Math Adventure uh, an improvement or how does it do this blended learning kind of uh, atmosphere? So there's really two two sides to that that question. Uh, I love that you use the term gamified math learning because uh, that's not what Zorbit's math adventure is. Uh, we try really hard to employ a and stick to a math first game design principle. Uh, and it's not gamifying or sugarcoating the math learning. There's a, a term that uh, gets gets thrown around in the, in the industry. Um, it's called chocolate-covered broccoli. Uh, and I mean, it, it turns math into something that's about as palatable as, uh, as chocolate-covered broccoli by taking something that kids sometimes scoff at, uh, and they kind of turn their nose up at it and sugarcoating it to try and make it, you know, you don't like broccoli? What if we add some of these things that you do like, like chocolate? on top of it, and it ends up doing more harm than good. So the way the, we at Zorbitz uh, approach the math learning is not by taking um, you know, traditional style multiple choice questions or fill in the blank style questions uh, and sprinkling all of these game mechanics around it. Instead, we try and make 
uh, math the fun parts of the game. Math is not a barrier to the fun bits of the game. Math is not an obstacle. We try and make it such that math is an ally. Math is something that we can leverage to solve contextual problems. And that's what the gameplay in Zorbit's Math Adventure is really focused on. It's focused on presenting students with contextualized problems that target specific math co math concepts or different uh, visual models or different strategies and encourage them to explore those models, explore those strategies to get over that obstacle. So as I said, math is not an obstacle to get back to the fun parts of the game. Math is the fun parts of the game and it's an ally to help us solve. I don't want to say real world problems because in the environment, it's uh, it's very space-tastic as we say. It's, you know, Zorbit is exploring different uh, planets and different uh, galaxies. So the examples um, are, are, are very fantastical, but they are always within a context of a problem that an alien chef may be facing, for example, or an alien farmer. Uh, so keeping in mind that our, our audience is kindergarten to grade three, we want to make it fun and demonstrate that math is contextual. Uh, and so I am going to use the word real, real world examples with a bit of an asterisk saying that, you know, the worlds that we're talking about are, are fun and fantastical and are, uh, are, are quite, quite cartoonish in some, some examples. And I think that's great because you've created this fictitious world, this space world that Zorbit kind of travels through it. And, and like you said, the math is first, which is fantastic to see that. And how does the platform adapt to or does it adapt to like different math outcomes for different areas? And, you know, here uh, the provinces might each have a different math curriculum or focus. So how do you align or how do you support teachers in the math as they as they're in different areas, if you will? Being a Canadian company, we know that. Uh, provincially governed curricula is a, uh, a bit of a uniquely Canadian problem in that my math curriculum is different from your math curriculum. It's different from Ontario's or BC's curriculum. It's different everywhere you go. So instead of going for uh, you know, the most general curriculum coverage uh, by saying, you know, we, we align with the common core because there's a bigger market down in the state so that we align with Ontario because they have a large population. Instead, we align uh, not with everyone's curriculum in a blanket way. And in, in, in that respect, we would really align with nobody's curriculum. Instead, the game recognizes which where you're logging in from or where you've set up your classroom uh, from and what your local math curriculum is, and the game and the way that aligns to that curriculum adjusts based on your, your local curriculum. So my experience in the game from Newfoundland is gonna be different from your experience in the game because we use different curriculum. Now, the way that it adapts to that is, is very subtle. Uh, it, it kind of like moves some things around and puts stronger emphasis on different outcomes. Uh, and so that that's why, uh, well, that's how we align with uh, with various curriculum. Um, you know, we try and make sure that it's it, it, it's very relevant uh, for the teachers. And if it doesn't align directly, well, that's a, a barrier to entry for many teachers. And so we we try and make it as directly aligned as possible. What an amazing feature for teachers, knowing that wherever you are, uh, it, it the game subtly, like you said, adapts to the curriculum that you have in your area, which is fantastic. Um, it removes that having to choose or it does it fit. Uh, you know that it aligns directly or, or so subtly with where you are. So let's say a teacher is, is starting to use Zorbit's math adventure. What, what does it offer to the teacher 
as their students are using the platform? That That's a great question. Uh, and I mean, uh, it gets back to that idea of, of blended learning that we talked about earlier. Uh, you know, as students are engaged with the, the digital resource, um, there's a lot of formative assessment data that's being collected in real time. And based on the way that it's aligned with the local curriculum, that data is, is also curriculum aligned. So it supports teachers uh, with their formative as well as their summative assessments. So when it comes report card season uh, and they want to go through and see what, you know, where Charlie is, is really strong and where Charlie could use some extra support and what his next steps are, the, the teacher dashboard makes it very, um, provides that data in a very digestible way and allows teachers to facilitate that summative assessment. But more importantly, it also comes in in real time. So uh, when we think about the idea of intervention, it gives teachers that real-time performance data that allows them to adjust and respond to student needs. One of the things that the teacher dashboard does really effectively is it provides that formative assessment data, uh, but more importantly, it provides those recommendations as to what the teachers can do about that data. Uh, so it makes recommendations out of our teachers teaching activities library. Uh, it, it highlights areas of needs uh, amongst students and across the classroom, helps identify learning gaps, uh, and then helping teachers respond to those learning gaps by saying, here are some activities that we would recommend that I think are going to target those math concepts that are going to help students uh, develop their conceptual understanding of these concepts and move them along their numeracy trajectory. One of my favorite analogies, in case you haven't been able to tell already, I love, I love analogies. Uh, one of my favorite ones for formative versus summative assessment is this idea that formative assessment is when the chef tastes the soup right where summative is where the customer or the the diner tastes the soup now this analogy breaks down when you start to think about uh student learning as something that's uh perishable or consumable uh, or what happens after that summative assessment uh, but the idea that you know when it's still in the kitchen when we still have that formative assessment phase it's it's not the the act of tasting the soup that's important. It's the act of responding. Uh, so that chef still has the ability, still has the time to to season the soup, add a little salt, an extra bay leaf, uh, what have you. And as teachers, we have the same ability if we have that uh, if we're we're using that formative assessment data. So basically, this dashboard is preparing this recipe for success for these students. And what you're saying is Zorbit's math adventure, and you mentioned it earlier, which is not just screen time. And you're talking a little bit about this teacher library uh, that your dashboard would refer to. So can you explain a little bit of what this teacher library would look like or, or what is the co contents here and some potential supports that it has to offer? So this teaching activities library is the one of the things that uh, when we show people around the dashboard, around the Zorbit's platform, this, this is where they really lean in. They're like, what, what's in here? What is all this stuff? Uh, because some of the research that we've done has shown that uh, teachers spend upwards to 12 hours a week looking for supplementary resources, uh, you know, worksheets or lesson plans or activities that they can bring into the classroom to help facilitate that intervention. And what we've done is we've compiled some of the best ideas that we've found from teachers uh, and, and from the classroom and compiled them all in one place uh, in a way where teachers can, can grab them at a moment's notice and rest assured that they are vetted in that they're not just First of all, they're not worksheets. You're not, you're not going to find you know, a page of 75 
multiplication drills in this teaching activities library. That's not where we see these activities fitting in. They're lesson plans. And they're lesson plans that are designed to keep the learning very playful, very social, very collaborative, uh, very interactive. Uh, many of them are designed to be very kinesthetic. Uh, and as teachers start to explore this library and see these lesson plans, um, they quickly realize that they are designed around those ideas, around the resources that they typically have in their classroom, and even resources that are easy to find or even replicate at home. Uh, so we see teachers using these activities as uh, part of center-based lessons uh, because they're easy to get those recommendations, get three or four different activities that they can use to populate the different stations. And they're all connected to a common theme, so it makes that consolidation after the, the lesson a little bit uh, easier. Uh, and they can send them home uh, with uh, as part of their at-home learning strategies as well. Again, this is uh, these are not worksheets, so we're not really sending home homework in the traditional sense. Uh, we're sending home activities that uh, are a great way to spend a rainy afternoon. Uh, or if we're stuck home for any reason, uh, these are a great way to inject a bit of math learning in a very playful, in a very kinesthetic fashion. Uh, one of my favorites is a grade one activity. It's called addition on a number line. And uh, it's a very simple activity to, to employ. Uh, but it, it's kind of beautiful in its simplicity and the way that it gets students engaged with their math learning. What it is basically is you you draw this huge number line on the floor uh, with, with dry erase marker, not with permanent marker, we've made that mistake before, uh, or even like painter's tape or whatever you have, you know, a, a number line or a number path on the floor. Uh, and it goes from, from one, two to 12. Uh, and we get students to move along the number line themselves uh, based on a dice roll. So they'll roll the dice once and Sally will hop along. Uh, she'll roll a four and she'll move four spaces. We'll roll it again, she'll roll three and she'll move along three more spaces. And we ask her, Sally, what, what number are you on? She'll look down, she'll say, oh, I'm on, I'm on seven. And so one of the strategies that we recommend teachers is to actually give Sally a partner as well. So whether they have snap cubes, counters, even a little whiteboard to help facilitate the addition, we can show that you know four plus three equals seven. And at its core, we're, we're practicing our addition skills. We're developing a, some conceptual understanding around that visual model of a number line, uh, perhaps some subitizing with the dice patterns that are, that are, being, uh, that are being rolled. Uh, but at its core, we're focusing on practicing addition. But as I said, we're not doing it through, through rope drills. We're doing it in a way that's very playful. It's very kinesthetic. It's very active. It's social. It's collaborative if we're using the, that partnering strategy. And uh, it's an activity that I've even played with my kids at home. We set up a number line down our hallway. Uh, and just to hear the way that they do that addition, uh, we wrote down, uh, I, I think she rolled 11 in, in one particular example. And she rolled a 5, a 5, and a 1. And the way that she did the addition was that she said, well, I know five and five is 10, uh, just because, you know, that's a, a, a doubling strategy that she's intimately familiar with. And she says, just one more than that. And then my, my other daughter noticed that it was, um, it was one away from the end of the number line. So she said, you know, five plus five plus one is, you know, I can see the 12 there and she's one back from that. So five plus five plus one must be 11. So regardless of which strategy the, the kids are using, there's multiple entry points, right? There's multiple ways for students to understand uh, the way that addition works, that part-part-whole relationship, the way that they use those visual models. 
and all of this comes out of a very simple idea of just walking on a number line. So these are the types of activities that teachers will find in the teaching activities library. Um, they're designed to be low floor, high ceiling activities so that no matter what, where students are in their learning trajectories, what strategies they tend towards, what um, ways that they visualize these concepts, uh, there's something interesting there for, for all of the students. Um, to continue on my, my little rant here, because I love the resources that we put together in this teacher dashboard, one other thing that we've recently added uh, that's really become uh, really popular in classrooms uh, are our math talk resources. So I, I, I've said a couple of times we like to keep the math learning very social and very collaborative. Uh, and these math talks are a way that teachers can really um, leverage this idea of collaborative math learning. It's math talks are something that at its surface seem seem very straightforward and very easy to to implement. And in certain respects they are, but they're a lot richer than a lot of people uh, realize at first glance. Uh, for example, we have one in there that uh, focuses on counting dots. So we, we have all of these visuals of different dot patterns. And the question is very simple. We ask the students, how many dots do you see? And there's there's one example that I talk about a lot in professional development sessions where it's arranged into a diamond. There's nine dots and it's one at top at the top, then two below, then three, then two, then then one, all arranged into a diamond. And the answer to the question is very simple. There's nine. There's nine dots. But it's not really that's not really the point. The point is figuring out how they saw their nine. So asking students, you know, yes, you see nine, but how did you count them? How many different ways can you count them? Uh, and so one student may be counting them one at a time. And as a teacher, this is very illuminating in terms of the diagnostic or that formative assessment that I'm collecting, getting back to this idea of, of intervention and, and understanding where students are. If this student is counting one at a time for everything, uh, when they get into grade one or grade two and they start dealing with larger numbers, they're going to struggle a bit more than someone who's able to subitize or look at numbers as, as groups. Uh, so that person who's counting one at a time, it tells me as the teacher that I should offer some more subitizing opportunities. Encourage the student not to look at individual items within a group, but to look at a group and use spatial reasoning, for example, to figure out at a glance that there's nine there. You know, the student next to them may be looking at it and seeing three groups of three. Whenever I look at it, I always see that pyramid of six at the top and then three down below. So the different ways that students visualize this tells us a lot about how they view numbers, what strategies they are, are attuned to, uh, and how we can push them along their numeracy trajectory, through uh, push them along their numeracy development and get them thinking about more sophisticated strategies, more, more scalable strategies, really. Because if we're counting on our fingers all the time, by the time we get to, you know, 10 plus 20, we, uh, we might be, we might have a bit of trouble. So that's, <laughs> I went down a couple of different rabbit holes there talking about our teaching activities library. But like I said, it's, it's a rich resource. And once teachers kind of get in there and start poking around, they see the types of activities, it really, uh, you know, their, their faces light up and say, this is all in one place. And more importantly, it shows them what these types of activities can be. And we start to see light bulbs going off. It's like, oh, now I know what I can really do with this activity that I've been doing, how I can take that to the next level. Uh, and just, just by asking a few questions or offering some more student agency in those, those approaches. 
And it's fascinating to hear everything that Zorbit's math adventure has to offer. And to steal a page out of your analogy book, it's almost like you're an onion. There's so many layers to this. As you keep peeling back, there's more and more. And and it's almost, I, I kind of want to take it back a little bit, just so our listeners kind of get the whole picture of the onion. So Zorbit's math adventure, is it, it's an app or it's a web-based program. Kind of walk us through here, these layers, if you were to start off with, obviously, the the software part of it is it an app is it web based and then from there so then next you have the teacher dashboard and so on so uh, give us a little bit of overview if you will of the general onion um, so that uh, our listeners can really kind of dive in through the process and then dig in absolutely and I'm really I really love that uh, that analogy because when we think about onions we think of all these layers but then you know just to take a step back all of those layers make the onion right it's you know it's probably the not the most fragrant pleasingly uh you know fragrantly pleasing uh but you know we we are a sweet delicious onion with layers that that make up a holistic learning experience uh so to start at the uh at the beginning uh zorbit's math adventure is a uh it is an app it is a web-based game uh zorbit's math adventure the game is available at play.zorbitsmath.com it's also available on on ipads uh so to say you know is it an app is it a a web service uh it's both from that respect uh but as students are playing the game, we're collecting that performance data, and all of that performance data is being sent to the teacher's dashboard. And so that's a, a website that teachers can log into. It's dashboard.zorbitsmath.com. And this is the, the teacher-facing side of things. It's where they're going to get all of their game controls, uh, their assignment features, all the ways that they can customize and personalize the in-game experience for the students. But it's also that repository for intervention, uh, formative assessment data, uh, as well as the teaching activities library that uh, from which we get recommendations based on the performance data that we're collecting. Uh, so that brings us back into the classroom with those with those hands-on resources or perhaps refined game controls. Uh, so you know students play the game, we collect that data. That data helps inform intervention strategies. Uh, you know part of which we we provide some recommendations, uh, and that helps us craft a an effective lesson plan, which brings us back into the classroom. You know, rinse, rinse, and repeat. One of the things I, I I think I said at the beginning of this conversation was that we aim to support the entire teaching and learning process, and it's not just in the classroom. It's not just at home learning. It's the lesson planning process, the assessment process that teachers go through that we're we're really trying to support. Uh, in in essence, we we look at ourselves as a teacher resource uh, and not just a game that's that's the student side of things uh, but we also have all of those other pieces that work together to create that blended learning experience uh, for for students uh, and to help streamline some of the things that teachers are doing uh, for you know in a as part of their blended learning strategy and that's again it's so amazing to see all of those layers and that support that um, you know, lather, rinse, repeat cycle, if you will, that support to the teachers, not only in the sense of uh, understanding, getting a deeper understanding of the math concepts, but also of their students and how to support them with resources, like you said earlier, that are vetted and can be relied on for the teachers, which is often the most difficult part is finding those resources to support the continued learning and the improvement of their understanding. Um, I do have a question about, well, cost, first thing is, is what is the cost for, let's say, a teacher to use in their classroom, or is it a school-based kind of software? Uh, but also, from a parent's perspective, you know, with the at-home learning, 
Is it something that a parent could say, oh, I really want my child, you know, to take part in Zorbit's math adventure and I can use it at home um, without that classroom perspective? So those are, is that even possible? So parents uh, can sign up for, uh, for a subscription uh, for, their, for their child at home. Uh, right now, given the the current for for anyone who's listening to this after the the COVID uh, thing has has uh, you know gone into the history books, uh, one of the things that we've done recently is put together a parents home learning package, uh, a home learning kit that provides access to the game so that their kids can play Zorbit's Math Adventure at home, as well as uh, weekly updates to these types of um, hands-on activities that we would provide in the teacher dashboard. Uh, aside from that, uh, we we do have the ability for teachers, or excuse me, for parents to subscribe on an annual basis uh, for their for their kids at home. But our primary focus is in the classroom, uh, where it's a it's a per student annual subscription model. Uh, and the way that we look at our partnerships with schools and with districts is exactly that. It's a it's a partnership. Um, so uh, you know, I I don't have you know a a definitive price tag to give you right now but the way that we partner with districts is is very different and so as a result you know our our partnership agreements look very different from from district to district uh and this includes more than just access to the resources we pride ourselves in becoming an extension of of your math team uh, of a district's math team uh and so we report back on a regular basis with with math coaches with district administrators school administrators to really dig into the data that's being collected uh, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that all of this performance data that's being collected for the teachers, if there's district uh, involvement, then there's also this admin dashboard that takes all of that performance data and rolls that up as well and gives district and school administrators insight as to where how math learning is going within the school and across the district. And so part of this partnership is looking at that data and facilitating um, you know, teacher level intervention. What are some of the areas where students need extra support and the best way for us to get them that support is to make sure that teachers are well equipped with the resources and strategies to help close those those gaps uh, so that this is one of the the ways that we partner with districts is to look at that data to facilitate intervention in terms of offering various professional development opportunities both live and uh, on and virtual um, doing different uh, professional development campaigns, whether it be a Twitter contest. We did something with a, a district in Ottawa uh, back in the fall. We called it the Zorbit's Great Galactic Twitter Challenge. And what it was was a um, an interactive uh, Twitter scavenger hunt that each week we would deliver a specific challenge that would focus not necessarily on using our tools, using Zorbit's Math Adventure in the classroom, but focusing more on one of the global competencies as part of their deep framing, excuse me, deep learning framework that they employ in their district. And part of that is the six global competencies. So we created six challenges that target each one of those competencies. Uh, and you know, we we turned this professional learning into a six-week uh, online Twitter-based campaign that was a lot of fun for the teachers and for the students to participate in. It was things like, you know, design your own planet as part of the, uh, you know, creative uh, competency uh, or conduct a math talk. 
whether it be one from our teaching activities library, one that you've come up with on your own. But the idea is that this idea of collaboration, the global competency of collaboration, these math talks is one of the ways that we can bring that to life. So we pose that challenge to, to teachers in that district uh, as part of that, that strategy to help support teachers uh, and help bring the district's own goals to, to life. Um, so this, these are all things that, that we talk about when we um, partner with districts. What, how can we ensure success from a math learning perspective and not necessarily, you know, let's get as many people using the game as possible for as long as possible. That's never our goal. Our goal is uh, to make sure that deep learning happens uh, and we do that through partnerships. So the extent to which that partnership rolls out throughout the district uh, will impact, you know, what the, the, the other aspects of that partnership, uh, partnership agreement like the financial side of things uh, ends up looking like. And I have to say one of the things right now that I appreciate the most is it sounds like Zorbit's Math Adventure, this the company, is really tuned into wanting to support teachers and continue the conversation with teachers and not just say, buy my product, thank you, have a nice day. But it sounds a lot like your Twitter challenges and, and continuing to support through professional learning. Really, I, I have to commend you and, and your fellow coworkers on this sense of wanting to create this community in this service and, and not just, uh, like you said, look for the number of minutes or number of hours that people are using uh, the product. Absolutely. I mean, that's our mission is to elevate the learning potential of every student, not to elevate our usage metrics. Uh, and we do that by, you know, one of the equations that we, we live by is, uh, you know, success comes from uh, co confident teachers and confident learners. Uh, and if we can impact both of those variables, both of those parameters, then we're going to increase student success and, uh, you know, just general classroom uh, engagement and whatever, whatever those goals may be, you know, say math learning comes as a result of, um, at least partially comes as a result of that, that confidence on both sides of the desk. And that's fantastic, especially for teachers looking for a resource. They know there's much more to this than just an app, uh, much more than just a game. It's a blended learning experience, as we mentioned several times. So Matt, we're at the, a part in the show that I like to call the specialist top five. And what I'd like to ask you now are, what are top five ways that Zorbit's math adventure can help teachers transform the learning, whether it's in class or at home? Uh, all right. So when I was making this list, I, I took a little bit of liberties with the title just so I could, you know, organize my my thoughts and, uh, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm focusing on the right things here. Uh, so these are my my top five ways Zorbitz makes math learning awesome. Uh, you know, that, that's our mandate. Every day we go into the office, how can we make math class even more awesome uh, for, for everybody? Uh, and so number one, I would say, is providing teachers with blended learning tools and resources uh, and really making it clear as to what blended learning is and why we do it. It's not tech for tech's sake. It's not digital resources because people think we should have digital resources in the classroom these days. It's using digital resources to help teachers do what they're doing already, but help them do it better to help it, them do it in a more streamlined fashion. Uh, and one of the things that they are doing is these are these hands-on explorations are these hands-on activities so blended learning is the blend of digital and hands-on resources but more than that it's the intentional use of both uh, so one of the things that Zorbit's math adventure does really well is give teachers the ability to use the digital resources highly intentionally by configuring what students have access to in the game through the game controls 
right? We can zero zero in on specific math concepts with the assignments feature, or you know, personalize different uh, access to different areas of the game, uh, so that we can um, differentiate instruction within our classroom just by checking a few boxes, right? Differentiation, personalized learning is something that I rarely have to convince people of the merits of, but the lesson planning, the logistics involved is, is often a nightmare for teachers. So digital resources have the ability to support teachers to bring this idea that in theory, holds so much water, but logistically has been a challenge. It helps remove some of those logistical challenges uh, by you know those digital resources do. Number two is making sure that the resources we are using are rich math tasks. Uh, there are so many ways that we can focus on procedural fluency. There, I mean, we have a tendency to teach the way we were taught. Uh, and so Zorbit's Math Adventure helps teachers break that cycle by exploring not just procedural fluency, but those other strands of mathematical proficiency that NCTM talks about. Uh, we know that procedural fluency comes out of conceptual understanding. And so when we talk about rich math tasks, we talk about tasks that are going to encourage students not just to follow an algorithm or to focus on the answer or to get to an answer as quickly as possible, but to, to understand why why we carry the one, why multiplying two numbers together gives us, you know, why four times five gives us 20, right? It's not just a fact to memorize, but we show them area models. We show them, we take them through this trajectory of additive and then multiplicative reasoning. We take them through these, these research-backed uh, pedagogical models within the game and within the other resources to help develop that conceptual understanding, that productive disposition, to show them the math in context, to show that math is not an obstacle. It's not something that we do for math's sake. It's something we do because it is a worthy pursuit. Uh, and so one of the things that Zorbit's Math Adventure does really well, if I do say so myself, is providing these rich math tasks that focus on all five strands of mathematical proficiency and not just on procedural fluency. Number three is one that we've talked about quite at length here is this idea of intervention. Uh, within the game, we give students a large, uh, you know, we give them a lot of leash in terms of what strategies they can use, what are problem solving approaches they can use. So we give students a lot of agency in their problem solving strategies. We give them contextual feedback that pushes them along that trajectory. And in doing so, we've helped facilitate a, a growth mindset. And that's one of the ways that we can get students involved with their math learning is by encouraging them uh, to, to explore the things that they already know and extrapolate from that rather than saying here's the way we do it and you know regardless of what you've learned before this is the path to an answer uh, and also some of the formative and summative assessment data that comes in helps teachers uh, respond to that in the moment and helps address learning gaps before they become uh, too exacerbated in the classroom. So intervention is number three and I have like three exclamation points after that because that's really what our our teacher dashboard is focused on entirely. We're always answering those questions. Where are my students? And more importantly, what can I do about that? And so those are the two questions focused on intervention. Uh, number four, and I'm going to keep coming back to these these pedagogical ideas. Um, you know, these these ideas of um, you know being very playful and very kinesthetic in our math learning by giving students the ability to construct and create their own math learning in these activities by not giving them a word problem and saying this is why it's connected to real life by not giving them rote 
uh, arithmetic problems. Uh, but we want them to, to take what they've already learned. We want to take their existing schema, their existing cognitive structure, and play with those ideas and explore them in a rigorous fashion that's going to help them build that, that numeracy uh, competency and confidence as they, they they begin to play. So, you know, making these resources very playful, getting them to work together to solve problems, making it very social. And then the idea of collaborative learning is something that's very powerful. We are social creatures. So to the, think about students in their desks all day, every day is something that's, you know, quickly becoming a thing of the past. And I'm very thankful for that. Zorbit's Math Adventure helps teachers uh, who are uh, very familiar with the traditional style of, of teaching. And, you know, there is a time and a place for that. I'm not going to knock rote memorization or, or as a, I think a, a better word for it, automaticity, uh, procedural fluency. I'm not going to knock that. That is definitely part of the math proficiency. Uh, it's one of those five strands. But as I said, procedural fluency comes out of conceptual understanding. One of the best ways for us to develop that is to work together. Uh, one of the things that I've been saying in uh, a, a web series that we've been producing recently, Mathematics in the House, the, the theme of that whole series is we learn better when we learn together. Uh, and so that's one of our tenets that we bake into absolutely everything that we do. And then finally, number five, making it relevant. How can we make, uh, you know, th this one seems like a no-brainer, right? We always we're always answering that question, sir, miss, why do I need to learn this? Uh, if it's a little bit more prevalent in, in older grades, uh, but certainly in the early grades in K-3, to it definitely needs to be baked into everything that we do. And we do this by supporting teachers' ability to personalize the instruction, by meeting students where they are, and so personalizing their in-game experience by offering them low floor, high ceiling act type activities to offer them agency in their problem solving strategy are all different ways that we can employ personalization in the classroom in a scalable fashion. If we have a classroom of 30 kids making 30 different worksheets. I mean, no one's going to do that. It's it's impossible. It's a, it's, it's a logistical nightmare. Uh, so these tools help teachers personalize. Uh, we show them the, the problems in a context uh, with our math first game design, math becomes an ally. And so in that sense, we make math learning very relevant. And we don't tell them you're going to need this because next year you're going to be doing bigger numbers or, you know, because you may want to know how many apples Jimmy has in his bushel and then Sally comes along and eats five. How many does she have? That's not the type of contextual problem solving we're talking about. We're showing using problem solving strategies uh, in a way that are highly versatile. And then students realize, hey, math is not math for math's sake. It's a tool to be used to solve problems. Uh, and then, of course, you know, relevant in terms of the teacher side of things or the administration side of things, I, I already mentioned that there's uh, there's real-time performance data that's collected for the teacher, for the principal, for the district administrator, so that even for the teachers, their intervention, their supports can be very timely and very relevant. Uh, is no sense waiting for last year's standardized test data to solve this year's problem, right? It's too late. Those grade three students are in grade four now. And we've got a whole new set of students coming in. So instead, let's use today's data to solve today's problem so that we can interve intervene in a very timely fashion. So that's my long-winded top five as to why Zorbitz makes math learning in the classroom 
awesome. And I think those are a great top five. And wow, like uh, though it sounds so awesome, and it sounds like it it packs such a punch, really, um, in sense of support and the actual tool uh, for the student use and for the teacher use. I do have a follow up question. You talked about personalized learning quite a few times there, and I just wanted to clarify and even ask that question. Is there a way in that teacher dashboard, in that software, for me to personalize it in the sense of I can send Billy off to uh, world A and Sally can go to world C or however that works? So how does that allow you to personalize it for your students? That That's a great question. Uh, when people log into Zorbit's Math Adventure and realize that it's a kindergarten to grade three game, uh, they quickly realize that there is a lot of content in here. And my grade one students uh, could very easily get get lost and confused up in the grade three area, uh, learning about multiplication when they're still in their numeracy development phase, when they're just learning to uh, develop their additive reasoning. Uh, so teachers will want to turn certain areas off and to focus students on specific concepts. Uh, and and you know this kind of gets back to that idea of using digital resources with intentionality, just by saying, here's here's a math game, go nuts. That's not intentional use. So in the dashboard, teachers can very easily turn off different areas, different grade levels, different planets. Uh, they can customize that in-game experience by defining what areas of the game they see. Uh, and they can do that for the entire class or they can do it for individuals. So if I realize that in my grade two classroom, there's a few students who really need some foundational support. And I think that they would be productive engaging with kindergarten level activities. Well, I can have most of my class doing grade two, uh, exploring some grade two planets, whereas these other students are exploring grade one or kindergarten level planets. And one of the design features, I always point this out in my professional learning uh, sessions, is that when you're in the game, nowhere do you see the word kindergarten. Nowhere do you see the word grade two. Uh, and this is to maintain academic equity in the face of personalization. So teachers can send their grade two students back to the kindergarten level areas where they're going to uh, engage with some productive activities for them that's going to move them along their numeracy trajectories. Uh, and they never Ever, ever see themselves as less than their peers or operating at a lower grade level. They're simply exploring a different area of the night sky. They're all playing the same game. They're just exploring different areas. Uh, and so it maintains that equity uh, without uh, compromising personalization. And it seems like the more we talk, Matt, the more we're peeling back this onion and the more we see how much Zorbit's math adventure has to offer the classroom teacher and, and the students. Um, so Matt, I want to thank you for being on the show. And before we, we take off, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners that we may not have covered today, uh, in regards to Zorbit's math adventure? Uh, well, I think we covered uh, a good bit of ground in terms of what the platform is, some of the pedagogical ideas that underpin it. Um, I guess if people want to learn more about Zorbit's math adventure, or would like to start some of those partnership discussions, uh, with our team, uh, they can email us, uh, at support at zorbitsmath.com or myself directly, uh, Matt at ZorbitsMath.com. That's Matt with two T's. Uh, and of course, we're also at uh, we're also on Twitter. That's where uh, we connect with our community worldwide. Uh, and so follow us there at ZorbitsMath. Uh, that's where we're going to see a lot. That, that's where we learn everything that we learn from from their teachers, or at least it's one of the, the most prolific resources. Uh, we learn so much from our community, and we try to bake those learnings into our uh, products, into our resources, into our tools. Uh, and so if if you want to see and, and be on the, the front lines of some of that learning, uh, that's where we can do it through our through our uh, social media networks. So it's Twitter at Zorbit's Math. We're also on Facebook. 
but Twitter seems to be the most uh, most prolific network for for teachers these days. That's amazing, Matt. Once again, I thank you for taking the time uh, to join me today on the show to talk about Zorbit's math adventure and really dig into that onion, peel away those layers, and share everything that this platform, this blended uh, learning environment has to offer classroom teachers as well as students and districts if they take the adventure themselves and join in uh, with Zorbit's Math Adventure uh, to really support the learning in and outside of their classroom. So thank you again, Matt, for joining me on the on the show, and hopefully we'll have you back someday to keep peeling away that onion. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Matt from Zorbit's Math Adventure. Be sure to head over to Zorbit'sMath.com to learn more, and don't forget to follow them on Twitter at Zorbit's Math to see what challenges they have to offer next. Share all of your creativity using the hashtag, hashtag make learning creative. And thank you for joining on my creative classroom.